This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to Elevate, the student ministry of Living Word Church, where we exist to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. Thank you for sharing some of your time with us today. May it elevate Jesus and encourage you. Let's get started. Elevate Jesus! Man, y'all sound great. Thank you guys for being with me tonight. Yeah. All right, turn your Bibles to Colossians. We're going to chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, wave your arm around. I got, a, I got an extra one right up here. Does anyone not have a Bible that wants a physical Bible? It's going to be helpful that you can kind of look at different things and track different things. book after that. Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. So, sort of a serious subject. Have any of you ever been in a car accident? Anyone? Anyone survived a car accident? Yeah. What was that experience like? A little scary? Yeah. Thumb down? Anyone have to have to have maybe chiropractic visits or anything afterwards? Yeah, that's rough. Car accidents, man. Did you know that they're, they're actually really, really common? 77% of drivers have been in at least one car accident. Someone dies in a car accident every 15 minutes. So three people will die before I'm done talking in a car accident somewhere. Statistically, the average person will be in a vehicular collision three to four times in their lifetime. Think with me. Think about all the things that cause car accidents. We're talking about drunk driving, speeding, weather-related stuff, running stop signs and red lights, aggressive driving, people falling asleep at the wheel, people just being idiots, also known as reckless endangerment. 1.6 million crashes happen every year from one thing, from people looking at their phones. 1.6 1.6 million. 14% of all the collisions where someone dies is because someone was looking at their phone. Of all the collisions where someone dies, 14% of them, you're 23% more likely to be in a car accident when you're on your phone. And why? Can you all answer the obvious? Why are you more likely to be in an accident if you're on your phone? Because you're distracted. Your attention isn't on the road. In fact, your eyes are off the road 400% more of the time. Whenever a driver's attention is diverted or unfocused or broken, they're becoming attached to, drawn by. Really, we become slaves to distraction. The same is really true spiritually. If our focus is not where our focus needs to be, we will car accident our lives. We will have collisions with other people. And ultimately, if our vision and our focus is not where it's supposed to be, we will create our own fatality. Paul is going to dig in tonight through Colossians 3, explaining where our focus is supposed to be. Paul has set the tone so far. He has prayed that the Colossians would grow in the wisdom and knowledge of the will of God. 
that they would grow in having spiritual fruit, that they would grow in knowing God personally. He has dealt with the heresy at hand. The last two weeks we've been talking about this, bit, this false teaching that's come into the Colossian church, and Paul has, has crushed it initially by just showing who Jesus was and then unpacks it. And tonight, he's teaching us that God's people must take their focus off of worldly things, which are temporary, and place them on heavenly things, which last. Colossians chapter 3. And if you'll allow me, for the sake of a path of thought, we're going to go just a little bit out of order. Colossians chapter 3. You guys already beat me to it, didn't you? I'm actually going to start in verse 3 and then jump back to the beginning of verse 1 because we're going to look at what Paul has laid out as our identity, our response to what our identity is, and then our hope because of our identity. So our identity and out of our identity, our, our, our response, the way we live, and then finally what we can look forward to because of our identity. So this is who we are. This is our identity. If you are in Christ, if you have given your life to Jesus and made him your Lord, repented of your sin, and you believe that Jesus died and rose again for your sins, then you get to claim this. Starting in verse 3 with me. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Grab that word in. We're going to come back to it. Then jump back to verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things which are above. So he unpacked this back in chapter 2, where he said in chapter 2, verse 12, we have been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith. So this is our identity, that we have died, our old selves have died, and our new life is in Christ. And I want to pause right here and camp here for a minute for something that I think is really fun and exciting. Did you catch that word in? In God. There is something that I want to wake you up to that every time you read a book that Paul wrote, you catch this. It's called In Christ Theology. And it comes back to Ephesians 1, and we'll look at that in a minute, but I want to kind of lay it out for you before we look at it. Throughout Paul's writings, you're going to see things like in Christ, in him, in the Lord Jesus, with Jesus, with Christ, with God, in the Holy Spirit. You have this pairing, this uniting and the Greek word for in means that you're in a fixed position. You're in a place that you're stable, attached to. You're paired up with Christ. In 1 Peter 3.20, you can look it up later, it gives the idea of Noah's Ark. Do you all remember Noah's Ark? Remember that story? Lots of animals, lots of people died, and then eight people were saved, right? Peter lays out the story of Noah's Ark as if it represents baptism. The eight people were saved from the wrath of God, the wrath of God that through the floodwaters wiped out all of civilization. And they were saved because they were where? Talk to me. They were, come on, where were they? They were in the ark. And so in the ark, they're protected and saved from the wrath of God. In the ark, they were chosen to lead the human race. In the ark, they were united. 
And whenever we look at in Christ theology, you have to be, imagine yourself as Noah's family, and you are in Christ. And in Christ, because of Jesus, you are spared from the wrath of God. Because of Jesus, you are saved through the waters, through the baptism, not just physical water, but our hearts being transformed for Christ. So because we're attached to Christ, because we're in Christ, when Jesus went to the cross, our old selves died because we were in him. And when he was buried, our old selves were buried because we were in him. And when he resurrected, our new selves were born. John 3, you must be born again. You must be born with, with the water and spirit. We were raised with Christ so that we are now new creations, totally different, converted from the old self to the new self because we were in Christ. Are you following me? So start looking for this throughout all the scripture tonight. Anytime you read your Bible, if you're reading one of Paul's books, spot these everywhere. Because what it means, and let's go now to Ephesians chapter 1. We're just going to go to a handful of places tonight, but some of these I want you to see for yourself. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 3 through 4. I'm going to set you up. When we get to the end of this verse, we're going to have a praise break. Do you all know what a praise break is? That means we're going to clap, we're going to shout, we're going to get a little bit excited because God is awesome. You guys ready? I'm going to cue you ahead of time. This is coming. It's in your future. Get on board because God is awesome. You ready? Here we go. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 3. It says, blessed, so we're worshiping, blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, where? Oh man, y'all are ready for, the praise break is coming, but you're obviously not ready. Are you ready? Here we go. We're going to do this again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in, yes, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us, where? In him. him, Before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Hallelujah. Now's your praise break time. Yes. God is awesome. Believers become inheritors of all of God's graces and blessings and mercies at the very moment of salvation. Galatians 3.27 says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. This is, the, this is the image of what happened at the cross. This is imputed righteousness, if you were with us like a couple months ago. The idea that, that Jesus took his perfection and laid it over you and me, sinners. And then Jesus took our sin and he laid it over himself and he took our sin to die on the cross, taking our record of debt and nailing it to the cross. So we have, we have put on Christ. So when God looks at you, he sees the perfection and holiness and inheritor of his son, Jesus Christ. All the heavenly blessings Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. There's that in Christ theology. 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's, let's look back at Colossians. I hope you kept your thumb there. I'm going to read our verses for tonight. Listen to this. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, why? Because you're in Christ. When Christ, who is your life, why? Because Galatians 2.20 says that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. When he appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. With him in glory. 2 Corinthians 5.17, most of you have this memorized. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. She is a new creation. The old has passed away. The old, the, behold, the new has come. And this includes every spiritual blessing that God has to offer his people, you received it at the moment of salvation. Some of these things might be that you are a co-heir of heaven. Heaven belongs as much to you as it does Jesus. Process that for a little while. You have an assurance of your salvation. If you don't have an assurance of salvation, you're not grabbing onto what God has given you. You have freedom from the power of sin, the power of sin has been broken in your life. You no longer have to give in to sin. You have a supernatural love for other people that comes from God. You have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in his power and his holiness in you. And the list goes on. I challenge you to, to go to some of the white pages in the back of your Bible or just start a list on a separate sheet of paper and write, In Christ... And then start a bullet point list. And every time that you read with him or in him or with Christ or in Jesus, read and find out what spiritual blessing you have and write that down. And start a list of seeing what God has given to you and to his people. So this is who we are. Our identity is no longer our own. We were bought with a price. Our identity is now Christ Jesus. We are living in him and he is living through us. So with this in mind, with our identity well-founded, what is our response? How now do we live? Colossians 3.1, let's look at the other half. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So here's a question for you. Let's hold up a spiritual mirror. Despite being a Christian, do you still seek and pursue the same things you did before you gave your life to Jesus? Does your life still look the same? Do you still listen to the same things, watch the same things, say the same things, hang out doing the same things? Has, has every aspect of your life been transformed? Has it been touched by the Holy Spirit? Has it been surrendered to the Lord? Lord, this is not mine anymore. My money isn't mine anymore. My sexuality isn't mine anymore. Everything about me is now surrendered to you. My future, my past, the way I dress, the way I speak, it's now in Christ. Do you chase the same things that your unbelieving peers do? 
Because right here, this may be your spiritual preoccupation with a cell phone. Maybe not a physical cell phone, but I think you know what I'm talking about. Because we are supposed to be seeking the things that are above. It's the idea of Paul is saying, look up, look to above. Have your focus on something greater than just the here and now. Have your focus out there on something that is higher, something that is permanent and not so temporary, not so empty. So many times our focus is on things that come and go. Your money, it's going to come and go. Popularity, come and go. Beauty and handsomeness, come and go. Everything that everyone around us is chasing will end. If I was to list off famous actors and actresses and singers from the 1940s and 50s, less than 100 years ago, I guarantee most of you would have no idea who they were or what movies they were in or what songs they sang. And guess what? The celebrities right now that are on top of the world that everyone's talking about, 80, 100 years from now, your great-great-grandkids, not going to know or care. Everything here is temporal. And Paul is saying, seek the things that are permanent, that are eternal, that have value, that have lasting credit. Seek the things which are above. Think of the difference between a caterpillar and that old butterfly. That butterfly has experienced a transformation. Totally different. The butterfly doesn't go back down to the dirt to hang out with the caterpillars again and hide his wings and hope he looks the same. No. That caterpillar is on a whole other level now. The caterpillar is living differently than before. The caterpillar might write a note to his old caterpillar friends. And this is my weird humor. If you don't get it and or appreciate it, that's fine because I'm weird and I get that. He might write a note that says something like, what's up, my thousand-legged worms? I won't be seeing you in the same places or doing the same things we used to do together. Everything is different for me now. I have a new view of the world, and it's beautifully. And it's beautiful. Sincerely, butterfly. P.S. I highly advise you spend some downtime in a cocoon. It'll do wonders for your basketball vertical. There you go. But if you can get over my weird sense of humor, think about Paul and what he's saying. He's saying... Your view is different now. Your perspective on the world has changed. You yourself have been transformed. Take your eyes off the earthly things and look up. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first. So what are we seeking? We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. And he's seated at the right hand of God. This is an expression of Christ's power, of his authority. And guess what? It's a, an expression. Being at the right hand of the Father is really good for you because this is one of those in Christ blessings that you get. Because Romans 8, 34 says, who can condemn you? Leave that out there. Who's going to bring accusation against you? Let me tell you about your advocate. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding, interceding, your advocate, fighting on your behalf, standing up for you. He is interceding for us. So God himself is now in your corner. So when you have Satan, who is the accuser, pointing fingers at you, bringing thoughts, 
stirring in your head that you're not good enough, that you can't, that you can't live this thing out, that you have this sin you'll never be free from, that you have this past you'll never be free from. That accuser needs to have his finger bent back and broken because your God, Jesus Christ, is in the role of all authority and he's your advocate. He wins. And guess what? You are in him. What hope, what security, what peace we can have when we understand who Jesus is and our identity in him. Colossians 3, 2. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. So here in verse 1, we have seek the, seek the things that are above. Here we have set your minds on things that are above. So we have both actions, our, our, our actions are pushing towards heaven, but also it's more than just our actions because you can be doing something that looks really, really good and your mind can be full of garbage. So we need to get to the root because it's out of our hearts that our mouth speaks. Sin begins up here. Begins with a temptation, and that temptation, when we think about it, begins something that we desire, and we begin to act on it. James 1, 14 through 15. Let's go to that together. James, go towards the back of your Bible. So go right, if you're in Colossians. It's right after Hebrews. James chapter 1, verse 14. What does it mean? What are things on the earth? These things that are temporary. Trials, pleasures, pain, happiness, failures, successes are all limited to now. But focus on something that has value. The things that are on the earth are things that are related to our sinful flesh and the corrupt culture. James chapter 1, verse 14 says, but each person is tempted when he is lured or when she is lured and enticed by their own desire. So where does sin begin? It doesn't begin outside of us. It begins on the inside. We're lured by our own desire. Do you know why sinful society and our enemy, the devil, have so much power? Because we like it. We like it what society is offering. We like everything that our enemy is offering. It comes from inside. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. So what are the things on the earth? There you go. It's the things that are full of sin and related to corruption. So what does it mean to set our mind on things that are above? It means we're taking our attention off of society, off of sin, off of what is temporary, and we're putting not just our actions but our thoughts onto a heavenly focus. Romans 12.2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. So what is our focus? Colossians 1.9, we looked at it a few weeks ago. Colossians 1.9 says to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner according to the Lord. So it begins here, the knowledge of his will, and it translates into walking 
in a way that pleases him. Fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in knowledge. So what is, in your life, what is the phone of distraction? What is it that keeps pulling your attention away from having a focus on Jesus, a focus on what is permanent and eternal? Think about it. Between you and the Holy Spirit right now, what is it? Is it a boyfriend? Is it a girlfriend? Is it getting those grades? Is it social media? Is it pornography? Is it some sort of alcohol or drug? Is it, is it this habit of lying? What is it that's this distraction? Is it your job? Is it a sport? What is it that has been classified over the Lord? What, is, what has grabbed your attention so far from looking up towards what is healthy, what is lasting, what is eternal, what is life-giving? What is taking your attention off of Christ? And put your attention on something that is only targeting you for collision. What is that in your life? And if you were very, very gutsy, I challenge you to begin to fast. Fast that thing. A fast means that you give up something for a period of time. Do you need to fast social media for a little while? Maybe you need to fast music. Maybe you need to fast an unbelieving friend or a phone fast, a movie or a TV show fast, politics. Maybe you need to take time off from a boyfriend or girlfriend relationship. What has enslaved your attention? Ask the Lord if he wants you to take a break. Philippians 4, 8 through 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think. Think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So you have practice and you have thoughts. Again, right there in Philippians 4, just like in Colossians 3. Up here, put your mind on earth, on heavenly things, Right here, seek, pursue, chase heavenly things. Then, let's go back to Colossians, verse 4. 3, verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears. There's that in Christ theology. He is your life. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Oh, so he's been encouraging us to look upward in our focus, and now he's encouraging us to look forward in our hope. Up in our focus, but forward in our hope. Jesus, who is our life, it's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. He doesn't just give us an abstract idea of life. He doesn't go over to his seasoning cabinet and then he grabs some life off the shelf, and he's like, oh, here, chink, 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 you get some life. No. Jesus is life. When Jesus, who is your life, Jesus gives you and me himself. 
That is how he is in you and you are in him. That's how you have eternal life. What is death? Death is a rejection of life. If Jesus Christ is life because he is eternal God who breathed life into humanity and we reject that God, then we are rejecting life and there's nothing left but death. But through the cross, he made a way that we could be in life and life would be in us. That's one of those amazing spiritual blessings that he's given. Just like we were spiritually died, spiritually buried and spiritually resurrected in him, we'll also be physically glorified with him. Our physical death is not the end. That's one more of the blessings you can write down, is that when you're in Christ, you have no fear in death. Death is not death. It's just translation. We have so much to look forward to. Romans 8, 16. This is our last time I'm going to have you turn. Romans 8. Oh, it's so beautiful. Romans 8. Let's look at verse 16. I want to change how you think about heaven just a little bit tonight. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, inheritors, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might be glorified with him, glorified with him. So he is bearing witness with our spirit that we are his children. We're heirs with Christ. So what does it mean to be glorified? I'm going to have to give you a short, short definition because we could spend hours on talking about this. What does it mean to be glorified? But first I want to talk about what does it mean to be converted? What does it mean if you are trying to run a program on a PC and then you need to take that file or program and put it on a Mac. It's got to be changed. It doesn't just transfer over seamlessly. It has to be converted. A.W. Tozer tells a story of a, about a little boy who was living in a barrel in the streets, eating banana peels and anything that people would give him to survive, living wearing rags, living hand to mouth every day. And a rich man found this little boy and took him home and adopted him. And he took this little boy home and he brought him into this enormous house and he took him up to his state-of-the-art bedroom and he has silk sheets and he has everything that you could want, every luxury, every comfort. And he puts on this little boy the finest clothes and name brands. And the next morning, the little boy comes down and he eats breakfast foods he never even heard of before. And his stomach may be, may be full for the first time in his life. And it didn't take but several days until he went up looking for this boy in his room and the boy was gone. The boy had stolen everything that he could get his hands on and left, but what he left behind was the fancy expensive clothes. He had put on his old rags to return to the streets. Why? Because this boy 
was not acclimated to this way of living. He didn't fit this. It wasn't in his nature. He could have had the finest schools. He could have had the brightest future. He could have had the money and direction and investments and everything. But there was just something in him that was not equipped and ready for this kind of lifestyle. And I'm telling you that if a unbeliever, if a sinner, if someone who lived their whole life in rejection to God was drug to heaven, heaven where all glory is given, where everyone in heaven serves one master in the total fullness of who they are, under the authority of God Almighty and in his holiness, that unbeliever and sinner drugged to heaven would hate being there. So what does Jesus do when he gives us new life is we are converted. He takes a heart that is not equipped for heaven and a heart that's stony, that is resistant against God, rebellious against him, and he replaces it with a heart that beats with the rhythm of God. And he begins to change our very nature so that we can live in the presence of God, equipping us, preparing us, and fitting us for heaven and he's going to spend our whole lives sanctifying us, making us more like Jesus, conforming us to the image of his son. Then at death, then at Jesus' return, whichever comes first, we will finally be glorified. He will finish in totality and completely the work he's been doing all our lives and fitting us in heaven to live in his undiluted holy presence where we will love it. That's what he has been doing through conversion, through sanctification, and to glorification. 1 John 3.2 says, Beloved, talking to Christians, Beloved, we are God's children now. We've been adopted. We've been taken home. And what, will, what we will be has not yet appeared. This is talking about glorification. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Romans 8. If you're still there, let's go to Romans 8, verse 29. It says this, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. What did he predestine them? He predestined them to be conformed to the image of his son. He's changing us to be equipped and ready and converted for heaven in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and that those who he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he glorified. Upon death, God will complete our sanctification fully and finally, fitting us for heaven, and that's glorification. And so Paul, right here in Colossians 3, 4, gives us this forward view that we will be glorified with Christ, in Christ. I want to tell another story of what Jesus, of a picture that Jesus paints for us in our forward vision as we look towards eternity. He tells a story of a parable. It's called the parable of the weeds. And you can look it up and read it in Matthew 13 later. He tells a story about a, a farmer planting seed, good seed, and it's growing beautifully. But in the middle of the night, someone out of spite comes and plants seed of weeds among the good crop. 
except the seed grows plants that look a lot like the wheat that he planted. So the servants come to him and say, well, what should we do? Should we try to rip out the weeds? And the farmer says, no, wait, let them grow together. And then whenever the harvest is ripe, I'm going to send my workers and they will sort out what are the weeds and what are the wheat. And the disciples come to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, you got to explain this to us. Help us out here. And Jesus says, all right. The harvest, this, this field, is the world. And in the field are planted God's people. And mixed up in God's people are those who have not given their lives to serve him, who have not made him their savior, who are not converted, who are not born again, who have not repented from their sin and put their faith in Jesus Christ. And the day is going to come, the day is going to come in the future when there will be a judgment and there will be a division. And the, the wheat, those who are God's people, will be taken to eternal life. And those who are weeds will be rooted out and they will be burned. And that is hell. He who hears, let him hear, is how he ends. He's saying, pay attention. Tell me something. If, if our sanctuary tonight was suddenly translated into heaven right now, boom, we're all in front of Jesus. What would we see? We'd see angels and bizarre creatures. There would be a light that's piercing. There would be rainbows around the throne room of God. There would be these strange spirits like fire in front of the throne. There would be these beasts in the air with wings that are covering themselves and flying at the same time. There would be these 24 elders surrounding the throne representing all power and authority. And yet all these elders turned towards the throne will throw their crowns of authority at the very feet of the one that all heaven is focused on. And that's Jesus. If we were spontaneously there, how would we respond? Like everyone who's ever had a glimpse of the King of Kings, we would fall down on our faces. If this room right here tonight was divided of those who are bowing before their father, divided from those who are bowing before their judge, where would you be? Would you be wrapping your arms around the feet of the one you love most? Or would you be on your face in terror because you know you have no place in his presence. Where would you be? Have you preoccupied your life with worldly priorities? Or are you seeking the things that are above with your mind on the things that are above? Do you love the righteousness that you used to hate? And do you hate the sin that you used to love? Is he your life? Are you in Christ? It's a peaceful thing to, com to confront death knowing that it's nothing more than a door to the Lord you've been loving your whole life. That you will be in the glory and the light of his face that you have been prepared for your whole life. And it's a terrifying thing to take your last breath having no idea where you stand with the God you've fought your whole life.
Recap. Those who are in Christ receive every spiritual blessing of God. Those who are in Christ have shifted their priorities and their focus from things of earth to the things of heavenly importance. Seeking and setting our minds on things above means seeking and focusing on Jesus. And Jesus is the crown jewel of heaven. Those who are in Christ have a future to look forward to. They will be glorified with Christ and fitted for heaven. So I have two challenges for you tonight. If you're God's people in this room, is there something in your life that God's calling you to fast? A distraction that has torn your attention over and over again off of the things of God. I challenge you to fast it. See if you can give up movies for two weeks. See if you can do it. Can you break away from social media for a month? What do you think? Do you and your boyfriend or girlfriend need to take some time off so you can get your head straight? What are those things? Is God calling you to fast something? Secondly, I challenge you to begin that list of all the in Christ or with Jesuses that you can find and write that list. And if you want, go ahead and start by reading Colossians 1 and 2. You'll find plenty. Heavenly Father, if there's anyone in here that is not in you, call them. Prick their heart. Let them not know peace until they know the king of peace. Let them ask questions. Let them find people that they can ask questions of. Lord, I pray that your word will penetrate deeply, that you'll plant seed, that they will be among the wheat, <laughs> that they'll be the butterflies transformed and converted, seeing life with a whole new perspective. Lord, break off every distraction. Break off everything that takes our eyes off of you. Lord, let us keep our eyes on you like Peter failed to do when he walked on the water. Hold all of our affections, all of our love, all of our attention. And for your people in here, give them the strength and the courage. May they surrender to your sanctification that you're going to chisel away and yes, remove things in us that are not of you. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing tonight. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening, and a special thanks to all of you who have subscribed, shared episodes, and left reviews. If you would like to learn more about Elevate, you can visit us at iloveelevate.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for everything you do that brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Now go, follow Jesus.